0: I told the uh, first service, it's it's so fun to come in here and let the let the band. They they wake me up every morning whenever we come in here at nine o'clock. So I'm wide awake, ready to go at at ten at ten thirty. So I'm just excited for them. They do just such a great job. Uh, I read a story about a man that was going on a cruise. He was actually sailing across the Atlantic, going to England. And as he was going across, he ended up just getting sick as a dog. And he was turning several shades of green, you know, hanging out by the rail. And a steward saw him, and he walked over to him, and he's trying to trying to lighten the moment. And he said, hey, I just want you to know that nobody has ever died of seasickness before. And the guy kind of looked over at him, and he said, man, don't tell me that. He said, it's the hope of dying that's kept me alive this long. Now I don't know if you've, any of you've ever felt that way before. I think that there are some of us. We look at what's going on and we think, "Good grief! I just see you know, this place is a mess. I can't wait to get out of here. It's just one disaster after another." And unfortunately, that kind of attitude can also even kind of creep over into the church. I mean, you watch, you know, you watch the news and you see, you know, we're still involved in wars. There's still strife going on. There's busted families and relationships. And you get to a point where you just say, gosh, there's got to be something better than this. I mean, you know, just why, you know, take me away, you know, Calgon. If y'all remember that commercial, it's just sort of that kind of a thing, you know, Just get me out of this place. Well, we are continuing our series today called Flash. And we're talking about the second coming of Jesus, the return of Christ. And what we're going to focus on today is the rapture. Now, I don't know, how how many of y'all are familiar with that term, the rapture? Have y'all heard of that before? Uh, I would say that a lot of people have become kind of familiar with that term because of the, remember that book series that came out, Left Behind? A lot of people got really interested in that book series. And so the rapture became a word that a lot of people talked about. That's what our focus is going to be on today as we look into our scripture. Now, the question is, what exactly is the rapture? Well, basically, the rapture is referring to a time when Jesus is going to come and he's going to take his followers out of this world to be with him in heaven. And this is going to occur just before the end of time. Now, this is an interpretation that many biblical scholars have. It's one that I happen to happen to believe in, but I believe it's an interpretation that that Jesus is going to come. And he's going to take those who are still alive during that day out of this world to be with him forever. Now, it's a real popular uh, doctrine with many in the church because we get excited because it means that if you live to the rapture, that you're going to get to avoid the whole process of death. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that's kind of exciting to me. And so I'm just sort of, you know, I'm kind of hanging on there like, man, God, just come back before I die. And uh, that would be really cool because then I'd get to avoid that whole, that whole issue. Now, I don't know if I'm going to be able to, to be alive during that time when Jesus comes back, but I do believe that we've, and I'm not trying to be an alarmist, I think I said this last week, but I do believe we very possibly could be living in a time when Jesus is going to come back. Therefore, in light of that, I think it's kind of good for us to know what exactly is the return of Jesus all about. And so today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see the Apostle Paul addressing the subject of the rapture. And in this text, he is talking to the Thessalonian church about what's going to take place. And so as we look at what Paul says to this church, I think we need to pay attention to it to see if if there's any signs or any promises that we can hang on to as well that were given to this church so long ago. So if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, we 're going to look in verse number thirteen, so first Thessalonians four verse thirteen I think I told you' all this last week it's like it 's the same area where we were last week, so page nine hundred ninety eight if you've got a Bible like mine, uh, if not, go to the very end on the right and start turning back a little to the left and, and you 'll run into it So First Thessalonians chapter four, verse thirteen, a little background information uh, again, I shared some of this last week is that Paul was an apostle of Jesus. Uh, he started the church in Thessalonica, which is in northern Greece. And after he started the church, he, he was a true church planner. He started the church, got it going, and he said, I'm going to go to a different area and I'm going to start more churches. But right after he left, there was persecution that came into this church. And you know, it, was, it wasn't like persecution as in they were making fun of people for being Christians. They were killing people for being Christians. And so it was, a very, it was a very difficult time in this church. And so when Paul found out about it, he wrote them this letter. And he wrote them this letter in order to encourage them. And he, basically what he told them is like, listen, I, I know that things are bad right now, but I want you to hang on to this promise. And that is that there is a promise that one day Jesus is going to return. That there is a promise that one day God is going to make all the wrongs in this world right one again, once again. Now what does this mean for us today? It means that no matter what, what heartache you've gone through in your life, no matter how many times your heart has been broken, you have promises from God that one day things will get better. Now, Now what are some of the promises that God gives us? And this is where the rapture comes in. I want the very first promises that we can look forward to. For those of you who are followers of Jesus, one of the first promises you have been given is uh, you can look forward to Jesus' return. The Bible tells us there will be a day when Jesus will come here again. Now I want you to look in verse 15. It says, According to the Lord's own word, We tell you that we who are still alive, who were left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who've fallen asleep, for the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. I just finished reading a book called American Caesar. Uh, it's about General Douglas MacArthur. He's a famous general during World War II, and uh, what he was really known for, I guess, probably the most famous thing is that he was stationed in the Philippines, and the Japanese invaded the Philippines. And so, when he was on Corregidor, he was going to have to—he was having to slip out before the Japanese got to him. But he didn't want to leave, and so he turned around and he told all the people he was leaving behind three famous words. He said, "I shall return." Now, a few years later, he did exactly that. He returned and he liberated the Philippines again. It was an incredible moment for the Philippine people. Well, I I bring that up because I want you to know 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ ascended into heaven, and basically his last words to us before he left were, I shall return. Jesus said he was coming back, and the message of his return was given so that we could have hope. You see, Jesus understood that, that this world is not a perfect place. Have y'all figured that out yet? Have y'all figured out there, there is some, just some absolute garbage that takes place in this world. There is absolute heartache that occurs in life. And we can get to a point where we become very cynical and we begin to think, God forgot about me. And we began to think, you know, maybe, maybe God is not going to keep any promises that he's given. Maybe there's nothing that I have to look forward to. That's how the people in our text were. You have to remember, they're undergoing persecution. Uh, these very same people, they had to believe that when Jesus ascended into heaven, that he was going to come back again real quick. They thought he's going to come back in their lifetime. And so they're waiting for Jesus to come back. And then all of a sudden, they start getting persecuted and they're getting killed. And they begin to wonder, is he actually going to come back? And in our text that we just read, it talks about that, that, that there were people who were followers of Jesus who had died and Jesus hadn't come back yet. And their question, what they're thinking is, well, is there actually going to be a resurrection? You know, Jesus hasn't come back yet, and yet there are people who followed him and they're already dying. Do we have anything to hope in? And it's here that Paul shares with them hope. He lets them know there is coming a day when Jesus will personally come back into this world. Now I know that you can hear that and you think that sounds pretty far fetched. That seems strange. Uh, that seems really hard to believe. And I'll be honest with you. I mean, I read this and on face value, I think I've never seen anything like that happen before. That does seem rather that does seem rather strange. But it's it's a promise. It's a promise that he's going to come back. That he's going to return for his, for his people. And I find that really, I kind of find that cool. And you know why I find it so neat? I find it neat because for those, I don't know how many of y'all have grown up in the church. I'm not going to ask you to say, yes, I grew up in the church. But for those of you who have grown up in the church, when you look at the Bible, your entire life, you've been reading about Jesus. Your entire life you've been hearing stories about him. And that's really good. But I think what can happen is we get so used to hearing about Jesus over a period of time that that's all he ever is to us. He's just a story. He's just some, you know, somebody that we read about. But what's neat about this is that Paul is telling us there's going to be a day when he's going to be much more in a story. There's going to be a day when he is going to personally return to this world. And I find that to be very heartening. You see, I'm learning that a key ingredient for success in life is to be able to have hope. Hope does something powerful for us. Helps us to look forward to the future. If you don't have hope and you just look at the world today, you think, man, there's not much hope. I mean, you look at life, you live, and then you die, and that's it. But for a believer, it's different. For a believer, we have a life beyond the one we're presently in. The verses that, I, that I've read and that we're looking at today, verse 14 says, We believe that Jesus died and rose again. So we believe that God will bring with Jesus the, those who have fallen asleep in Him. In other words, those who are dead, He's going to raise again. Hope provides us with something to look forward to. And you know what? We're living in a time man, we need something to hang on to. We're living in a time where we need to know that there is something more to life than this world that we're presently living in. And I want, I want to hope. I want to have something to hope in, and something to hope in that's worth hoping in. You know, I've, I've placed my hope in a lot of things that weren't worthy. Um, just you know as an example, a couple of weeks, a few weeks ago, I was hoping that Carolina was going to be Kentucky. Now it's, and this is, you know, I should know better than this. For me to ever place my hope in a group of, uh, of a group of young men playing football at the University of South Carolina. I mean, what am I... I'm a grown man. What's my deal? I am placing my hope in something that, that is not always going to come through for me. Now, you might say, well, I'm cynical like that. Why should I hope that Jesus is really going to come back? You know why you should hope that? Because He promised. The verse that we just read a well while ago, it says in verse 15... It, this all is going to happen according to the Lord's own word. Now, the question for us is, is God's word trustworthy? I mean, can I trust that when, when God says something, when Jesus says something, that it's going to happen? You better believe you can. Hebrews 6.18 tells us it is impossible for God to lie. We can absolutely count on God's word being kept. And so when God says Jesus is coming back, you can take it to the bank that Jesus is going to come back. Because he's faithful to his word. He's true to his word. And you know, those are pretty hard commodities to find in a person's life today. You know, that, That's why we have contracts today. We make up contracts to make sure somebody's going to fulfill their word. And, you know, if, if you break the contract, then the, you know, the contract is null and void. doesn't count anymore. And I really believe many people view their relationship with God like it's a contract. And so if one party fails in the contract, then we think, well, that contract's over. And so we don't, you know, it's, 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 it's just kaput. It's over with. But that's not the way God deals with us. God's relationship with his people, it is not a contract. If you look in the Old Testament, you'll discover it is called a covenant God has a covenant relationship with his people, not a contract in isaiah 4915 it says, "Can a mother forsake the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she is born though she may forget, I will never forget you says God. The Bible indicates that a covenant is more like a relationship between a parent and a child than it is between a you know a business party with another business party. You know, if you go to the doctor and you have an appointment with him, and you, and you don't show up for the doctor's appointment, does the doctor call you and say, man, why are you not here? I can't believe you missed the appointment. If you, if you, this is so important for your health. You need to be here. Now, do doctors do that? Now, I know that Dr. Ladd, who's out there, I'm sure he does that. But, uh, but you know, most doctors, they don't do that. You know what they do? The contract's been broken. You didn't show up for the appointment. They move on. You know, they just come to the next patient. That's not how God deals with us. God deals with us more like a parent does with his child. You know, if a parent has... You know, for if you, when your kids were younger and you're coming to the dinner table and your child does not show up at the dinner table, as a, what do parents typically do? Do they just sort of look around and say, well, Junior's not here, um, so my uh, contract, my obligations to him are over. You know, he's just not going to get to eat anything and we'll just, you know, he's not going to get to come back in the house. We're just going to have other children, but that's over. Is that the way that it works? Um, that's the way it works in my parents' household. No, it doesn't work that way, right? I mean, what happens? Parents, and especially mothers, y'all get up and you track down that kid. I mean, y'all are like bloodhounds. And you go find that kid and you might be mad at him, but by gosh, he's going to eat. And you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna love that kid regardless of that failure that he might have. Now, I want you to know that, that God deals with us like that. In John 1:12, it says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Now, parents, just like you're not going to forsake your kids, God's not forsaking you. And that's why we've been given a promise that Jesus will return for his people. There's another promise we can look forward to, and that is a promise of the gathering. And this is where the rapture part kind of comes into play. The gathering look with me in verse number 17. It says after that after the announcement that Jesus is coming says after that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Now if we still happen to be alive when Jesus comes back. What's what's going to happen. Well, I can tell you what's going to happen for those who are his followers, for those who are believers in Jesus Christ. The Bible says we're going to be caught up with the Lord to meet him in the air. Strange. What does that mean? Those words, caught up, they literally mean to be snatched away. And this is where we get the idea of the rapture, to be snatched away. Now, what this scripture is telling us is that we'll physically be removed from this earth why well there's coming a day of there's coming a day of judgment but before god brings his judgment on this earth on those who refuse to follow him he's going to come back here and he's going to take those who have chosen to follow him and he's going to remove them from this earth so that they can avoid the judgment of god now, now, why is God going to judge? Is He going to judge because He can't? You know, He just enjoys doing that. Is He going to judge because He can't wait to bust some chops? It's not it. If you read the Bible again, Second Peter three nine talks about our God being gracious. It says, "The Lord is not slow in keeping His promises. Some understand slowness; He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance." Now, we always talk about the grace of God, but we need to also understand something else, and that is that God has a timetable. And there's going to come a time when God's timetable of grace, which we are living in now, will end. And then God will judge. Now, God has delayed his judgment for so long because he is wanting more and more people to come under his grace. But eventually, that timetable will come to the end. And then God will begin to. To judge now. What we're living in right now is we are living in a time of warning. If you look through Scripture, you're going to see all throughout Scripture, God says, "I'm coming again. I'm going to come again one day as a judge." Now, if you know a storm is coming, what is the best thing for you to do? It's it's to get ready for it, right? To be prepared for. It. That's why God's given us Scripture, so we can be prepared for for what's coming. And yet, many of us we, we ignore. The warnings. There's a man in New York who bought a hurricane barometer, and it looked like it was supposed to be like it's kind of like a nice piece of furniture. He got it in the mail, he unwrapped it, and he looked at it. It kind of looked like a like a wooden clock, and had this these arrows on it and uh, our needle on it. And whenever he opened up the box, the arrow pointed all the way to hurricane. And he's looking at it, going, "Good grief!" And it's a beautiful day outside, and he's he's like, "Well, this thing's kind of screwed up." So he begins to shake it around. And the arrow's bobbing up and down, and it goes all the way back over to a hurricane. And so the guy's like, this thing's broke. And so he repackages it, and he's going to mail it back, but he goes to work first. As he's, as he's at work, he begins, after work's over, he comes back home, and there are police everywhere. And it started to rain, and he comes up, he's like, why can't I go in my neighborhood? They said, you can't come back in here. He said, the conditions are getting rough, a hurricane is coming. The guy couldn't go home. He wasn't able to return until after the hurricane. By the time he got back in his house, it was flooded, and he found that hurricane barometer floating inside of his house. He looks at the thing, and he's really aggravated because the the little needle is still pointing to hurricane. And he's thinking, if I just would have paid attention to that stupid thing, then I could have saved some stuff. Now, in a very similar sense, we've been given the word of God as a warning. And many of us, we look at it and go, that's a great story. But we sort of slough it off because we look at our lives now. We say, you know, I'm doing good in business. I'm feeling pretty good physically. I look outside. It doesn't look like the world's getting ready to end. And we just feel good about ourselves. And we just kind of go along in life. Y'all want to tell you, the Bible says that there is an approaching storm. And if a storm's coming, we better make sure that we have found our shelter. And that we have found it in Jesus You see, God's given us some promises, and His promises are, first of all, He says Jesus is going to return. He tells us that there's going to be a day of a gathering when God will take His people out of this world to go be with Him and meet Him, it says, in the air. We're going to discuss that in just a second. But I want you to look at the last promise that we're also given that we can look forward to, and that is we're also given a promise of a new home. Followers of Jesus have a promise of a new home. Last two verses I'll read, verses 17 and 18. It says, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. All right, now what do we see in our text today? We're told there's going to be a day when Jesus physically will come here again. We're told that there's going to be a day when Jesus is going to gather up his people. And we're going to meet the Lord in the air. Okay, my next question is, where exactly is that? You know, if I'm getting ready to go on a trip, and if I'm a follower of Jesus, and I happen to be alive during the rapture, where, I'm going to the air? I mean, because in my mind, I'm kind of a, I'm a, what is it? I, I like to be kind of grounded in stuff I can see and touch. Okay, the air is not real good for me. And so I'm like, is that a location? You know, because I know a lot, of, when we talk about heaven, have y'all, you know, I think this is where the whole idea of when you die and you go to heaven, that you sit on a cloud and play a harp. Have you all heard that one before? Okay, now I I think that's you know, that's, I guess that's kind of cool. I don't like harps very much. And sitting on a cloud, I'm scared of heights. So I'm like, that doesn't help me much. What's he talking about here? Well, he's taking us, it says in our verses, To a place where we will dwell with Him forever. Where are we going to dwell forever with God? Is it in the clouds? No. We are going to dwell forever with God in heaven. Jesus said in John 14, 1-3, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Now when Jesus takes us out of this world, He is taking us somewhere. He's taking us to be with Him in a place He's prepared for us. Now think about that. Jesus said, I'm preparing a place for you. That's, that's you know a couple of thousand years ago. He's been working on that place for a long time. And can you imagine how nice of a place that's going to be? I mean, somebody's been a God who's been working on your place for a couple of thousand years. Yeah, it's going to be unspeakable. It's going to be incredible. Revelation 21, 1 through 5 lets us know what this place is going to be like. It says, then I saw a new heaven. And a new earth. That's one thing God's going to do. He's going to make a new earth and a new heaven. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for a husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. And then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. Y'all, heaven is going to be a place that will transform your life. It will change you forever. It is a destination that will be totally beyond our wildest dreams or imagination. I can tell you that that there are destinations that you can go to that will change your life. Uh, twenty, almost twenty, I guess twenty-five years ago, our family changed destinations. We changed locations. We moved to a new home. Uh, my dad was during my senior year in high school, and uh, my dad moved our family twelve hundred miles away from where I grew up. Great timing. And uh, I suggest every parent, uh, if you have a child that's a senior, just go ahead and move 1,200 miles just for fun. And so we moved. Now, I want to show you to know that when we moved, it it, tra- it transformed my life. Now, when we came here, I did not know one person as a senior in high school. I went to school, knew no one. But you know what happened because of that move? I became very sensitive to God because it was he was all I had. I didn't know anybody else. I became sensitive to the Lord. I allowed Him to deal with my heart. And I uh, sensed God calling me into, into vocational ministry. Let me tell you, if we would have never moved, I guarantee you I'd never be doing this today. When we moved, I became sensitive to God. because we moved here, it changed my plans for where I was going to go to college. And I stayed out here. And when I went to college out here, I, I met the nicest young woman I've ever met in my life. And then after that I met Emily. And uh, I'm just, she's not in here. Uh met Emily. We got married, transformed my life. Because we moved here, I had the opportunity to, to, to sense God calling us to begin a new work out here. And it, it transformed my life. I want you to know that there are that there are destinations that will change and transform you. And I want you to know that the hope of heaven the hope of a new home and a new life will transform and change your life. The destination God has for His people its transformative. And the Bible says we'll enjoy life forever in heaven with God. Can you imagine that? Creator God will be with His people. But before that's going to happen, we have to make sure that we have tickets to arrive at that destination. You know, if you're going to fly somewhere, before you get on the plane, what do you got to have? You got to have a ticket. They tell them, when Jesus comes back, if you're going to be a part of this trip, either the rapture or through death, if you're going to meet up with Christ, you have to have the ticket. And what's the ticket? It is placing your, tr- your trust and your faith and your confidence in God, in Christ. I just look at Romans ten nine. It says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the judgment of God. Saved from being eternally separated from him. Now there's some promises that are given to us in the Bible. We have a promise that Jesus is going to return. That he's going to gather his people together and that he's going to bring us into a new home. If you don't have that ticket and you're not sure, my encouragement for you right now is just simply where you are to talk to God and to simply say, Jesus, I I need you. Jesus, I I need a ticket that's going to ensure that I will be a part of your kingdom. And Lord, to, to get that ticket, I am placing my hope and my faith and my trust in you. And Jesus, I am asking you to cleanse me of my sin. And to give me new life. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I am grateful for the word that you've given us. And I thank you, Jesus, that as we live in this world, that you promise us a way out. There is coming a day when you will return. And you will gather your people to be with you forever in heaven. Jesus, I pray today if there are some who do not know whether or not they're Their ticket, so to speak, has been punched by you. Lord, I pray today that they will call out to you and just simply cry out to you and say, Jesus, rescue me and save me and forgive me. God, my life is yours. And I pray that your salvific act will work in their life and transform them. God, thank you for your goodness. And I pray these things in Christ's name.